0: Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. I sincerely hope that you and your loved ones are doing as well as can be expected during this pandemic. If there's any way that I or anybody here at Awana can be praying for you, or if you want to share with us your challenges or even your success stories about what God is up to in your life during this unprecedented season, You can connect with the podcast directly you can email podcasts at awana.org or you can leave a voicemail at 630-289-5353 i can't wait to hear from you each and every week you and i talk but i've been doing too much of the talking today i want to share with you a conversation i had long before the coronavirus Brian Rhodes and Melanie Hester both work at Awana, and while they are internal voices, what you're about to hear is simply a father and a daughter who care deeply about child discipleship and whose lives have reflected what we talk about on this podcast every week. The conversation starts with Brian explaining not only what his title at Awana is, but why he doesn't like titles. Thanks for listening. Here is episode 31 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. What is your technical, like, Big Fancy title? Can you introduce yourself and say your I really title? T- I really
1: hate titles. Great. I think, I think we should measure our work based on who cleans the most toilets. Sure. So, um, but I, I am Senior Vice President of Global Field. So, so I have all of the people that work for Awana that are represented by missionaries and areas of the world, including the U.S. and the 119 other countries we work in. Sure. So just 119 countries though, like that's, that's, that's 120, your including ours, <laughs> but who's counting. Right.
2: I mean, reporting structure, there's only 119 people reporting to you and that's just accounting <laughs> for the VPs.
1: That's a lot of one-on-ones. Well, it is, but you know, I was telling some uh, group of people the other day uh, that, that I can't do that. That's I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I have a group of six amazing vice presidents who lead their part of the world and they have amazing teams who lead their ministries. So. That's why I like to think we flip the ministry of one upside down. And instead of thinking like the organization executives are at the top, we're kind of really at the bottom and the churches we serve are at the top and the people that are serving those churches are right there. And if we can feed up and we can realize that the best decisions are being made at that level, then then we keep a healthy organization. And, yeah. and most of the time it works that way. Sometimes we get confused. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, even that
0: is, I think a unique thing. I think for an organization, this large, an organization that's been around this long, you would expect it to be more top bottom. You right. would expect there to be more ego. You would expect it to be more like, no, this is the way it has to be. And the humility of this place is pretty remarkable.
1: It's really always been that way. And we've done all these different surveys and, 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 uh, Oftentimes, even when we don't have all of the great goal setting strategies that we do better now, but we haven't had, um, everyone will say that's running our surveys. They'll say, this is an army absolutely ready to take the mountain or the hill that they're fighting. They may not know what hill it is they're fighting, (laughs) but they are ready to take the mountain. And and that's the way it's always been. How long have you, so how, how long have you been connected to a one? Well, how old are you, Melanie? Melanie's 33. 33. So, um so so 35 years then probably is about the time when her oldest sister became a cubby. Okay. So, so you just got connected from your whatever local church was? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It, it wasn't even our local church. It was one in the neighborhood that we heard all this crazy noise on Wednesday night. And then we 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 explored what that was and ultimately moved our membership to that church because we wanted to see how, what, what this church was using to partner with parents to put a great biblical foundation in their kids, which was what Sandy's and my goal was, was to really see a strong biblical foundation in their lives. And that's how we got started with Awana in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's great. That's how it started.
0: And I think also plays to how, why the, um, those who have been around can be more bottom to top focus. Cause you, as they say, you started start. at the bottom. Now you're here. Right. Exactly. Um, I think that's probably the first time Drake's ever been quoted in an Iwana uh, <laughs> podcast. Uh, so I like it. Melanie, what is your big fancy t- fancy title? Oh,
2: it's not big or fancy. It's Partner Communication Specialist, and I'm, like, fresh. Six days on the job.
0: Six days. Now, I recorded my first interview with Valerie on day eight, so you are two days ahead of uh, my pace for this wow. podcast, so congratulations.
2: Well, I'm just sitting here talking. You're the one doing all the work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what did how... What is your first memory of Awana?
2: Oh, man. Um, probably probably in Cubbies. Um, and there's a group of us that, I don't know, I'll probably get the, the name wrong, but there is. I think there were probably five or six of us that I specifically remember because we were all in the same circles. We went to church together. We did Awana together. Um, eventually, we wound up going to school together. And I think, Dad, right, weren't we the Chubby Cubbies?
1: Yeah, weren't yeah. We? Well, you, you were actually a year before Cubbies and we called you the Chubbies.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I think I'm going to shout out to Steven Peterson. No idea if you're going to listen to this or not, but we'll Steven him. Peterson was the um, the kid, the son of the, the past senior pastor at the church we went to. And uh, that was my first memory of like sitting um, at tables and having snacks and just learning about Jesus. And yeah. I think the the ripe age of two and a half. So puggles before puggles was a thing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And, and I, I remember they those two, Stephen and Melanie, they wanted to be in Iwana because their siblings were in Iwana. Hmm. But we didn't have we didn't have anything for them so we just called them the chubbies. I, I want to just say outright it had nothing to do with sure. their physique or anything. Yeah. No, they just well, chubbies. no, come on. We, Puggles, were, we were
2: too and adorable.
0: Yes, of course we absolutely. were chubby. We were awesome. Yeah, but Puggle does market test better than chubbies. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you guys because one of the things that I think, and we spoke a lot about this and what will probably be off mic, but one of the things that has always been remarkable to me in my vast experience with this organization is that there is this sort of generational mindset. You know, I think a lot of stuff that's out there in the Christian world is either, um, very urgent and like fire and brimstone. And this is going to end right now. The world is going to end right now. And it's like so condensed. And then there's a lot of stuff out there in the Christian world where it's like, everything's fine. And we got all the time we need and Awana I think has struck a really delicate and important balance where the people here are playing the long game right there is an investment in children there is the investment in the future of the faith or 2015 the thing we talk about every day but it is from a like relationship first perspective and i think that allows for the tone to not alienate people and to be really inviting and allow for people to feel like oh yeah like i want to i want to go figure out what all that noise is about at my church or mm-hmm. at that church down the street because it seems engaging rather than off-putting.
1: I, I think there's one thing consistent. There are parents in every generation that want to see their kids have a spiritual foundation in their lives and they want to know how to do that and what will be effective to do that. And I, I think that is job security for Awana because <laughs> because Awana knows how to do that. Yeah. And, and, and Awana, the tools, you know, know how to do that. And now, you know, with this new resilient message, it's like, it's just, breathing even new fire into that. But there will always be parents out there that want to do that. And that that's, I, th- I think that's what makes a want to keep working and still be vibrant, even though we're 70, whatever years old now. Yeah. Do you think I'm going
0: to ask you a question that is probably unfair, but it's okay. Cause we're, you know, we've, we're now six minutes into it. So now we're going to really get into the gotcha questions. Um, do you think it's harder now? I asked because the, the resilient, messaging that focus on 2050. A lot of that focuses on how different the world is going to look 30 years from now compared to how different it looked 30 years ago. Um, Do you think that it is harder now for parents and kids to stay focused
1: on laying that spiritual foundation? Oh, 100%. Why? Well, it's, it's harder because uh, the world around these kids, uh, my kids that are now raising my grandkids the 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 whole world has changed around them. Everything about it um, has has more context to do something evil toward, even toward just the teaching of my grandchildren than and to put thoughts that would have never gotten into my kids' heads into their heads at a much earlier age and and i I, I see that in my own family. Um, Melanie and her mom love to garden, and I'm, a lot of times I'm out there with them when they're gardening. And uh, you know, Melanie's asked me questions before, and and it's like, wow, you mean the kids are really asking that now? Hmm. They're already asking that, and and they're asking, you know, very adult kinds of questions. And and I remember, I remember a couple summers ago, Melanie and I were talking about this out in the garden, and and I said, well, you know, th- that's exactly what Awan is talking about. We we can we can help you with that. And she just looked at me. and She said, well, Dad, just make sure you get this right i 'm not giving my kids over to you to have that conversation you 're going to have to equip me on how to do that because i 'm going to be the one that's going to have that conversation yeah uh, but it is much harder. I think the church is struggling with how to meet those needs of families uh, because the questions are are questions that i i didn't have i 'm not sure I ever had to answer some of the um the, the tough questions that are in our society today and already considered as completely normal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's one of the sort of first things that I think is, is important for churches and people who listen to this is to, is to acknowledge things like that, right? Is to acknowledge that we are in a different time. There's different responsibilities. There are different, um, there are the book resilient talks about the mountain range of problems Mm -hmm. that are facing today's kids. And that is a different mountain range. On top of it being a different world, um, so Melanie, it would probably be helpful for people to better understand as well the the background of where you're coming from, right? Because you are not you are you are more than a an one employee who's only been here for a few days, right? Like you you have been in this world for literally your whole life. In the first episode of this podcast, Valerie talked about how she wanted to be an advocate for kids. And when did you realize that you wanted to be an advocate for kids?
2: Uh, that, was, that was in middle school, and um, at the time we were living in um, Budapest, Hungary. Um, my parents had just taken our whole family, and we, were, we had been missionaries to South Florida and then Central Florida and South, and then kind of um, dad and mom continued to kind of lead Florida in what it looked like to, to just equip churches. And so I grew up with, with the experience of uh, going to a different church at least twice a month. And so, experiencing children's ministries all over the the world, all over the 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 state, that then developed into experiencing children's ministry around the world. Yeah, and so, and I- and a lot of
0: similarities between Florida and Budapest. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: First time there was snow. First time, I mean, <laughs> different language, but I mean, that's whatever. Um, but the the everything was different. And and I remember being in our in the church that we did. Um, it was it was Kedge Church, and we we did um, a one there. And I remember just kind of looking up. I think we're at game time. I'm not really sure. I don't think it matters, but I remember being like, I will be in children's ministry for the rest of my life. I don't know what that looks like. I don't mm. know what that journey looks like, but this is it. And since then I'm, I've just held on for the ride. It's, it's been something that I've known would be the heartbeat of every decision that I made as far as my, my life, my passion and my career.
0: So what are some of the different roles you've had in being involved in children's ministry for the, thus far the rest of your life?
2: Oh man. So I, because of my parents and the choices they made f- to, you know, say yes to the calling of children's ministry, I am one of the few that was like, well, I started serving in children's ministry when I was like nine. <laughs> so, um, I always feel awkward when people are like, how many years have you been serving? And I'm like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's, uh, you don't need, it's fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, obviously from, from that perspective as a volunteer, I've been serving basically my whole life and, and in some capacities, that's my favorite. I love volunteering. I I currently serve as the four and five year olds teacher at my church in the 1030 service and, and volunteering is such a, it's a hands-on piece. So I love doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. But then other areas that I've been involved, I'm actually, um, little known fact, I'm degreed as a teacher, elementary ed, um, four to ninth grade. Um, and that was to give me a perspective of knowing how kids learn. Um, I've worked in daycares. I've worked, um, my first kind of ministry job was for a church where I was the children's director there and, and was there for three and a half years. And man, that was an amazing experience that we could do a totally different podcast on. But, um,
1: (laughs) that was in college.
2: That was, oh, well, okay, so that was like my first full-time in Colorado Springs, but you're right. You just reminded me that um I was, I did, a, at a local church here in Lake Zurich, I worked there part-time in college as their children's ministry director. And then I've done a myriad of jobs here at Awana, um, anywhere from shipping to customer service to working with Jeff Shocker in and, and donor development. And so it's just been a really unique an incredible experience to just hear all these stories and and see what it looks like to all of these different um, just facets of what it looks like to say yes to God when he's like, I want you to be in children's ministry. And I'm like, "Okay," and this is what that's looked like.
0: Yeah. And I I asked the question, you know, one of the nice parts about this gig is I get to just meet a lot of people in front of a microphone. Um, you know, this is the longest conversation I've had with either of you (laughs) and, but knowing a little bit of of your story, I think it's important for people to also see you took each of those things kind of step by step, right? It wasn't like you went, I'm gonna be a children's ministry and for the rest of my life, which means I have to become the CEO of Awana ASAP, right? Like you, you've taken those things in front of you, you've stayed connected to the local things on the ground. And I think that one that gives a credibility, right? Mm -hmm. To the fact that I can have people like you on the podcast who know what they're talking about and I can just ask questions and then sit back. Right. But it also speaks to, I think how God will often work and how God works in children's lives that it is step-by-step. It's not leaps and bounds. And that the work that the tired, uh, overburdened practitioner who's listening to this right now with those four and five-year-olds of, you know, knowing their name and being excited that they're they're there and pouring into them relationally is going to pay off. Right. Um, So, One of the things I'll just to kind of get in the weeds with you is it's important to me that this sort of resilient conversation doesn't feel like an extra burden or an extra thing to do for that local practitioner Um, because they they're already doing so much right. The, The local kids ministry director is they're the first at the church. They are trying to figure out how to balance the child who has some trauma that they've that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. and the kid who just really needs to go to the bathroom at the worst part of the message versus how to get you know the popcorn machine out of their trunk Mm -hmm. into the church right Mm -hmm. they're trying to do all of those things at the same time i think i hit all three um (laughs) this resilient conversation to me one of the things that's that strikes me about it is this is a thing that awana has always been about and it's just sort of applying a new lens to what we've been focused on as someone who has been on and involved in Awana for literally almost their entire life. Is that fair for me to say that this is something that Awana has always been about this whole resilient disciples and discipleship making?
2: Oh, completely. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things that I think through every single time this message, I come across this message um, because from the moment I began to, Watch as a kid. I, I don't know that I would have had the words then, but I've always known that kids were resilient. I've yeah. always seen that trait in them, and so for me, um, I think we're just finally putting language and and some some understanding behind things that already existed. Um, because when we're able to do that, then we're able to better communicate to those leaders who are like, "I am in. I am all in. Help." We can actually like stand and say, Hey, first, first, um, this has always existed. You've always been passionate about doing this, but it always hasn't been successful because it's hard. It's something that doesn't come off of a checklist. It doesn't come from, um, a specific, I mean, even curriculum that you purchase, like resiliency isn't something that, that we can just buy, Mm. like creating, um, and discipling resilient children it's in the little moments it's in it's in every day and it's for eternity it's it's for the entire every moment every second that we have here on earth is is what it looks like to build a resilient disciple and so the message that we're bringing today is something that we've always talked about in adults but one of the beautiful parts about Awana is that and i think you know considering What Art Warheim did is that in a time when children began to be a space where it's like, let's just take care of them and make sure they're just fed and cared for and loved, that's all great. He was like, hold on, let's actually provide something to show the critical importance that they are to not only our future, but to today. And so we're just continuing to carry on that message of like, hey, it looks a little different But those same messages are the same. These resilient kids are now grown and continuing to raise resilient kids. And they are asking for help. They're crying for help. And this is what it looks like for us to ask the Lord to stand in a posture and say, so what does it look like for us to channel the energy and calling and commitment that Art Rohrheim said yes to alongside Lance Latham today in 2020?
0: That was beautiful. Um, You have kids, right? I do. Yeah. How many kids do you have?
2: So I have three actually, okay. um, two here, one with Jesus already. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Um, I, I appreciate that wording. Um, my question, so you are one of those resilient kids who is raising resilient kids now. Yeah. And I think when, now that you also have a bit of this knowledge and seeing where um, you, you know, you got an education degree, like you've been in, you've been a practitioner in this space. When you look back at your own childhood, are you able to see, some of the intentional choices that your children that your children that your parents were making <laughs> yeah. um, as you were growing up in the faith oh, how man. aware of how aware of those things are you now compared because i imagine you weren't thinking significantly like
2: significantly more aware <laughs> of them now than i was as a kid i mean as a kid i'll be honest there were probably things that i felt like i rolled my eyes at or i was like yeah here goes mom and dad again um, but what I didn't know on that moment was what it was building and why it was important. Um, so thank God that the um, <laughs> the aptitude of our kids to want to go along with things isn't an indicator as to what God is doing in their <laughs> lives. Um, but now as an adult, I, I look back and um, there are significant things that I recognize as both... Them choosing to be intentional at saying we're going to do these things as a family and, and admitting, I remember my dad saying, um, you know, as a family, we don't spend enough time doing family devos. And so the humility to say that, like, this is what's going to help us to create a family culture that love serves and follows after God and his humility to say, I don't know that we're doing it well, but we're going to keep trying. Mm. And we're gonna keep looking at at different times or different methods or different formats, but whatever we're gonna do, we're just not gonna stop trying. And so I think I look back and see those things. And then I also see the ways that him and my mom just said, yes, it had nothing to do with what they, what they wound up implementing or doing with us. Um, But it was more like the experiences that God asked them to step into and them choosing to say yes to those, knowing that this could totally royally screw up our family or God is going to be glorified. And this is going to be something that's going to bring us closer to his kingdom
0: you're really good at this. Um, so Brian, how smart she is. yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I wish I met her before I met you. Um, so
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm curious, Brian, you know, since in that, in that conversation about devotionals, like your perspective on that, right? Like that, you know, she was experiencing it as a mm. kid and now she's looking back in yeah. that. But when you were in that, when you were recognizing that that was an area that your family could grow in, um, what did that feel like? And how did it feel like to bring that to your kids? Boy, um, I'm super not qualified to be a therapist, but sometimes I feel. No, like it, it's
1: it's actually it's it's actually a very uh, uh, deep spot in in uh, in our lives with the kids, um, and it's deep because it for me it was it was always a struggle uh, to make those spiritual disciplines. So a- anybody listening to the podcast right now, if you're one that struggles with consistent spiritual disciplines, you want to listen to this because that's exactly who you're listening to. I, I, I never, I never struggled with the passion and the need and the desire to see the kids uh, have, have a strong foundation in Christ and those hooks we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. But, but I did struggle in making sure I was doing my part. So that was happening every night, or I was doing my part to make sure that we were having the right prayer uh, sequences and, and just fitting that into our lives. And, and part of that was because we were living busy lives, no different than today. And anybody that's listening. And, and part of that was, uh, just that, that I, I just wasn't always disciplined enough to do that. So, so she just beautifully described something that oftentimes I saw as a bit of a war going on inside myself. And fortunately, um, Sandy, uh, would oftentimes step in and, and she would do her part. And, you know, when two become one, you, you really do get one that's different than two. And, and she really many times brought, um, uh, the, 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 the defined focus that we needed. And so, so now, you know, so, so I, I just, I just feel that, um, I was never as consistent as I needed to be in that area. And so, now i look at that and i say okay well i don't think i was probably the only one so what melanie just said that i think is so important is is you you can't give up you got to keep trying you you if you're out there and and you're still struggling with that your kids one they have a different perspective than the way, the way you're feeling inside right now and two god is using your inabilities as much as he's using your abilities so don't 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 let that stop because the the way, you know, when we talk about belong, believe, become, become, hap- that happens, the becoming part happens in that life set that we're talking about. And it's not perfect. Nobody's life set is perfect. So, so, you know, try to be better. Don't use it as excuse. But, but I, I think God allows your kids to see something he allows your kids to see the things he wants them to see, and maybe he doesn't allow them to see some <laughs> things that you, they shouldn't see. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know if there's a book like that out there somewhere. It might be, but or but, maybe
2: he just gives us the grace um, to be able to recognize yeah. that we all have those things.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. And and I and I I just I want to say one thing too to what you guys were talking about a minute ago. Uh, so so much there's so much consistency about where I wanna comes into the life of a child and the life of a parent, life of an adult, um, that is consistent through all the years of ministry we've had. But I, I will say that it is significantly different and significantly harder to disciple a child today in this culture that we live in. And and I've been in now 70-plus countries, and I would say that's true around the world. That's not just here in the U.S., but it is increasingly difficult here in the U.S. And And when... When, when, when we can realize that what is different about the message we're sharing in Awana today, you know, again, if you're, if you're a a podcast listener, that's been doing this for a while, don't allow yourself to think that nothing's actually changed. It has changed. And, and while we've always had loving, caring adults, we have not been as intentional around developing the right relational, um, and, and the right circumstantial, um, um, environment for kids to really become who they need to become in Christ. And the reason it has to be different is because, because the culture they're living in is different. What did work 20 years ago, it doesn't work today. So if you're looking in the mirror and you've been doing this for 20 or 30 years, you, you, you better clean the mirror off because if you're not changing, you're not going to be effective in reaching the kids that are growing up today.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think it's important too, in that, that, It's it's
1: not an indictment on what you did 20 years Mm -hmm, ago. It's not. Right. It's just that. That is exactly right. It is is not about, oh, what we did back then was wrong and what we do now is good. Although people interpret it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, when we first started talking about, you know, one mission, many methods back probably eight or nine years ago now. I mean, people interpreted that to think, well, there's something wrong with the method that we're using. No, there's nothing wrong with that method, but it may not be as effective in the current environment as it was in an environment 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. And that's okay. Just be willing to change. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is
0: powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you on Thursday.